We're closing out our series, It's Time to Bear Fruit for His Glory. And the title of the sermon is, Do Not Be Silent, You Must Testify. Amen? And before we get into the portion of Scripture that I want us to focus on this afternoon, I want us to all take a moment to reflect on a, on a couple of questions that I want to ask us. Have you ever found yourself silenced when you've been challenged about your faith? Have you ever found yourself maybe at a social event, a dinner, a party, etc., and been horribly outnumbered? You're the only Christian on a table of 10, 12, 15 people, and people start mocking God, or they confirm or, or state in their mind at least that he doesn't exist. Do you find that people take subtle pot shots at the Lord? Ah, well, you know, he didn't do this, or, you know, if he really was God, if he really was who he says he was, that there wouldn't be wars, there wouldn't be issues, there wouldn't be challenges. How did it make you feel? What was your response? What stirred up inside you? Was it a sense of challenge? Did you feel inadequate, perhaps, in your response, if you even presented one? Did you find yourself recoiling in shame that you perhaps couldn't answer the tricky questions that they might have asked you? Or perhaps the alleged discrepancies in the Bible that they try and trip you up and point you out. There are no discrepancies in the Bible. We know that it's infallible. But often it's what we have inside of us in that moment, our response or lack of, that subsequently dictates and defines every other response that we choose to develop. And so the goal for us this afternoon is simple, to realign, to reinforce, and to come back into alignment and agreement with who we are as sons and daughters of the Most High God. You know, the Bible is so clear, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to us. We are the head and not the tail, we're the first and not the last. We have to learn the strategies of the world and be able to counteract them because they are always looking to erode our faith. They're always looking to find ways to challenge God's word, always looking for ways to trip us up. So do you find yourself persecuted this afternoon? Do you find yourself under the cosh, so to speak, challenged by the issues of life, by the people around you that often they're not even looking for the truth, they're just looking for ways to make you look stupid? Turn with me in your Bibles to John 15. We're going to read verses 18 through 27 together. I'm reading ESV, English Standard Version. John 15, 18 through 27. If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it does, you do not belong to the world but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Remember what I told you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. If they obeyed my teaching, they will obey yours too. They will treat you this way because of my name, for they do not know the one who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not be guilty of sin, but now they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me hates my father as well. If I had not done 
among them the works no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. As it is, they have seen, and yet they have hated both me and my father. But this is to fulfill what is written in their law. They hated me without reason. When the advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. And you also must testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. A sobering question to consider our time together this afternoon. Are you genuinely prepared to suffer for the sake of Christ? Now more than ever, we must, discard, we must not discard the truth of the gospel with the sole aim of avoiding ridicule or persecution. We must remain strong, steadfast in fulfilling the biblical responsibility given to us. We have to decide now today in our heart of hearts that we are going to obey and honor God irrespective of the emerging challenges in our lives. And so the question is, are you willing to stand up? Are you willing to step forward? And are you willing to proclaim Christ at every opportunity? If the answer is yes to any, and I hope all of those questions, I have one certainty for you this afternoon. Persecution will be your portion. And so the goals for us today is to identify the persecutions, respond like Christ, and stand our ground. Amen? Jesus reminds us very clearly that every time that we are in genuine intimacy with the Father, it will result in rejection from the world. The more like Jesus you choose to become, the more like Jesus you will be treated. It comes down to really two things, compromise versus conviction. Compromise versus conviction. Have you found yourself compromising because you're perhaps a little bit scared of losing a friendship, declaring that Jesus is Lord on Facebook, for example, or, or, or standing in the gap for other believers who are under the same sort of stress and strains that you find yourself in? Do we go along with the crowd or do we stand with Christ? It's often easier to go with the crowd because the moment you choose and you chose in your life to affiliate and associate yourself with Christ, you signed up for persecution. You might not have known it at the time, but you will be ridiculed, you'll be rejected, you'll be persecuted by various groups of people in various spheres of your life. The greater the level of the conviction of your faith, the more you declare his truth, the greater the identity you possess as a son, as a daughter of Christ, the greater the volume and the magnitude of your persecution. So I ask a question for us this afternoon. What was your heart response the last time somebody mocked you for your faith? What emerged? Silence, aggression, anger, a bit of pride seeped out. Because your response served as a very, very accurate signpost of where you truly are in your walk with Christ. Never forget this. Irrespective of the challenges and the persecution, 
One truth remains the same. We are called to be His disciples. Amen. We are called to demonstrate the faithfulness of the kingdom of God and we are called to proclaim the gospel of the good news at every opportunity. Can I get an amen in the house? Amen. The opposition, the taunting, the ridicule should act as fuel and stir you to greater levels of courage and boldness and integrity in your daily witness. Make no mistake, the goal of persecution I have found is two-tiered. Perhaps you can relate to what I'm about to say. Initially, the first tier is to dampen your enthusiasm, perhaps even blunt your appetite to speak out, to witness, to serve, to love, to demonstrate forgiveness, all the attributes that we should be demonstrating as believers. Once that has been achieved, the second tier kicks in. And the second tier is silencing you. It might look slightly different for each and every one of us here, but it's still largely the truth. The fear that sets in produces paralysis. The fear invokes unhealthy, uncontrollable emotions, a sense of loss, a sense of shame. And all of this moves you away from your walk with God, your God's plan and God's purpose over your life. And here in the West, it's even easier in so many respects. We can be tempted, taunted. We can be drawn away from our relationship with Christ at every opportunity. Why? Materialism creeps in. Our gaze and our focus has been taken away from what is genuinely and solely important and slowly but surely replaced by life cycle events like developing your career, perhaps getting married, having children, buying one house, not in London, uh, buying a car, buying a second car. This erosion continues unabated today with the explosion of the internet, TV shows, dramas, sports events. We cry out as believers, oh, I want a balanced life. Ever heard anyone say that? I have some news for you. It doesn't exist. Scrap that thought. There's no such thing as a balanced life. That is a worldly perspective. Jesus gives us a life of priority. There's a huge difference between balance and priority. Stop accepting, stop reinforcing, and stop declaring the lies of the enemy over your life. You are called to a life of priority. Matthew 6, verse 33. We all know it, but don't allow the complacency to perhaps remove a nugget of wisdom that you could capture this afternoon. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Seek first, not seek one of or seek only, seek first. So yes, you are permissioned by Jesus to pursue other things, praise God. But first screams priority, right? First tells me this is the most important thing. Other things can be enjoyed can be invested into 100%. I'm not denying that. But we must keep the main thing, the main thing, the kingdom of God. Now, what is first in our lives? A lot like Pastor Colin was sharing this morning, the most dominant thought in your mind is what is going to drive and dictate you in any given day. And therefore, what is first in our lives is only first if it is always first. Because if something is first today and third tomorrow, it was never first in the first place if you're following me. So what is first in your life? 
Is it just comfortable Christianity? Minimize the ridicule, avoid the challenging conversations, punch in at 9 a.m., punch out again at 10.30, and just live the life that's otherwise quite worldly, otherwise quite fleshly in its thinking. I would be highly dubious of any believer that solely pursues worldly achievements and has no fruit to show for their service to God in the kingdom. Your job description, my job description, they're identical. There's nothing different between a man and a woman, between different generations, different races. Matthew 28, we cannot push Matthew 28 to the margins of our life. Seek first the kingdom, oh, sorry, we go and make disciples of all nations. Go and make disciples of all nations. That is our job description. We cannot simply file evangelism, declaring God's word, reaching out, loving the lost, helping the marginalized, caring for the widow and the orphan. We can't just push that to the margins of our life and file it under extracurricular activities that I might do if Pastor Colin encourages us to on any given Sunday. It has to be front and center. We cannot relegate our Christian life to a mere hobby or a seasonal activity that we do at Christmas and Easter. That is not what Jesus died for. That is not what he has called you and I to do. The question is, how do we choose to respond to it this afternoon? We need to understand afresh in this new season that we are in of the magnitude the privilege and the responsibility that he has given each and every one of us to live out the biblical duty and responsibility that he has entrusted into your hands and mine. But often we shy away because the persecution is too much. You want to maintain the friendship. You want to stay cool. You want to stay in that WhatsApp group or whatever it is that's persecuting or finding challenges in our life. Witness. Genuine Christian witness is more often than not seen in your faithfulness. That's where God works most. It's not about me doing the work and you clapping me on. We're all called to do the work. God has appointed you for such a time at this, as this to reach out to people that I cannot get to. And you, if you make yourself available, genuinely make yourself available, Proverbs 2, verse 6, never preach a sermon without a proverb. You will know that about me. Out of the mouth of Jesus Christ comes all knowledge, all wisdom, and all understanding. So whatever you are waiting for, for God to give you an answer on, it comes from Him. And so when you pursue that in your heart, when you pursue Him, and his presence, when you stay connected to the vine, as we know from John 15, it is exactly the opening verses of John 15, you will have, you will gain every answer to every question that the world may throw at you in the name of Jesus Christ. Why? Because he is the author of all things. He is above all things. He knows all things. There is nothing new under the sun. And so if you don't have the answers to the persecution, you don't have the answers to the alleged discrepancies in the scripture, you don't have the answers to why there are wars and famine and riots and everything else, open the word of God. Press into the presence of God. He will give you the answer. And sometimes the best answer a Christian can say is, actually, I don't have the full answer. 
can I get back to you on that? But often, either we just shrink away or we want to be a little bit bullish and boisterous, and so we start spitting scripture out of context to fit the narrative of the answer that we think they want. That doesn't help them, and it won't help yourself either. Always what will last in your life is a heart that is in full service to Christ, to suffer for the sake of the kingdom, to keep abiding, keep loving, keep obeying God's word. God wants to produce people who are fruitful, faithful, and joyful in every part of their life. And so what he's making very clear is he wants his disciples to understand that truth, that though we are in Christ, you might enjoy the most amazing relationship with Jesus, where he speaks to you all day, every day. Praise God, he is omnipotent, omnipresent. But that does not make void the fact that you will go through challenges. The warnings are there. If the world hates you, know that it has also hated me before it hated you. There is no escaping or ignoring that. When we think about the world, we think about their response to it, to Christians in the world, it's very simple. If you think about oil and water, you can put oil and water in the same glass, they never mix. So we can be associated, but we're never gonna necessarily, or we should never be influenced one by the other. So it should not take you by surprise when you are challenged. The question is not, are you going to be challenged? The question is, what is your response to the challenges? Because what you don't say, what you don't communicate, what you're not prepared to do will stand against you. We're told to make the most of every opportunity. Paul says in, in James 5, the days are getting dark. Make the most of every opportunity. Do we, do we do that? Or do we only take the opportunities where we know we have the answer, where we know we can win the argument? Win the argument, lose the soul. It's about leading people to Jesus. It's about being able to withstand the persecution, the ridicule, the mocking. Everything that Jesus went through, Jesus went through all of it, and he was able to withstand. And the truth is very much the same for us. Do you find yourself allowing your Christian views to be diluted, eroded, distorted, because you're associating with people who, dare I say, it might become a little bit more liberal? Deception is the welcome mat of compromise in every part of your life. The moment you start allowing deception to creep in, compromise is certain to follow. You have to have conviction. Remember I said compromise versus conviction. You have to have conviction of who you are in Christ, of what God's word says, and what God has called you to do. And never move. The Bible says in, in Ephesians 6, to put on the full armor of God. At no point are we told to take it off. Verse 13, and when you have put on the full armor of God and you've done, quote, all you can do, what does the word say? The word says, stand and stand again, i.e. you become immovable. Because they're not going to stop. I mean, like breaking news, right? If you think the persecution is going to stop, you could answer every question that your atheist friends the people that mock Jesus, you could answer every question, biblically perfect, theologically robust. They're just going to find another hole. 
They're just going to find another angle. They're just going to find another opportunity. It will not stop. So you need to get used to this. But know that God will never give us too much in any one day that we can't handle. We have to become countercultural. We have to be men and women that are prepared to stand in the gap, stand up for integrity, purity, righteousness, holiness, not just at Christmas and Easter, right the way through the year, Monday to Sunday, January to December, year to year, decade to decade. That is where we will make a difference in reaching people for Christ. Because nobody will believe in an invisible God when they look at your life and their life and they see no visible difference. So we have to step forward. And we have every answer. It's found in God's word. No, the servant is not greater than the master. If the master, Jesus, was hated by the world, guaranteed, guaranteed that the servants will also be hated by the world. You know, I'm a football fan, sorry. I've got my sins. I've certainly got my sins when I think about the club that I support. But know this, invariably, when it comes to football terms, if they hate the manager, they also hate half the players. It's not like they hate the manager, but they love the players. If you think about any area of your life where something is hated, it's the whole, it's the total sum of it. So, so if you, lasagna, I love lasagna, amen. <laughs> But if, for example, I hated it, I'm not going to go, well, I really like the layers of cheese on the top, but not the meat and the everything. No, no, you hate the whole thing, right? And it's exactly the same, exactly the same as we stand as disciples of Jesus Christ. We will be hated. And hate is a very, very strong word, but Jesus is very clear here. The words are, are very clear to us. Jesus goes further and warns us that will be, there will be people that claim to know God but do not know God at all. Perhaps you know some of them. I do. Jesus is saying at this point that the persecution, the ridicule, the mocking, the rejection is all going to be done on account of the name of Jesus. Very, very significant. Now, we know one person that attempted this sort of behavior, Paul. Paul allegedly was persecuting Christians out of service to God. The world is not excused for this rejection. We have to stand firm in those moments. Now I want us to take a moment to think about ignorance. Ignorance here very clearly leads us into a false sense of worship, service, and attitude. As spirit-filled believers, you can never present naivety or ignorance as an excuse for not knowing God's word. We must know the word of God and the author of God's word in equal measure. Bible knowledge without Bible experience is not great. Our failure to what God's words produce in our lives will lead us down a very wide pathway to false worship and service in areas that we don't need to fall into. Which means you need to weigh Everything, everything that I have said so far, you need to weigh it against the word of God. And anything that I say that doesn't line up, and I hope and I know that I haven't, chuck it out. Amen? Because this is our truth. This is what we stand on. This is our bedrock. We cannot simply fall into the trap of accepting anything and everything that we see and hear on the internet. 
your truth is your truth and my truth is my truth. No, no, no. There's only one truth. Jesus is the way, the one, the truth, one and the life. Amen. Can I get an amen in the house? Praise God. God knew that Jesus was going to be rejected. We read in John 15 verse 25, but this happened that the word might be filled which is written in their law. And then in the word says, they hated me without a cause. And what we find actually is the exact same words are used in Psalm 69 verse 4. Those who hate me without a cause are more than the hairs on my head. Jesus knew he was going to be hated. Jesus knew that he was going to be rejected. Are you prepared for the same? Is your heart sufficiently robust to withstand perhaps the obvious and evident barrage of persecution that you are facing today and undoubtedly what will be to come? Because here's the thing, we're called to be disciples, which means that there will be a cost to your discipleship. Genuine discipleship is costly. If you want to know the cost to me, come and see me afterwards. I had to make a lot of decisions very, very early on. I'm talking in the first days and week or two of my Christian life about the people I was hanging around with, the things that I was doing, the company I was keeping. And it's very simple, it's in or out. And you have to pay, be prepared to count the cost. You have to be prepared to pay the price. We cannot settle for the comfortable Sunday Christianity that is marketed and presented by so many churches and ministries today. The message Jesus gives his disciples here is very, very true for us. And as long as we preach Christ and him crucified, guaranteed we're going to have the same outcome. As long as you preach the word of God, that is certainly going to be your portion. If you think about cooking, go back to my lasagna for a moment. If you cook the lasagna with exactly the same ingredients, in exactly the same order, at exactly the same amount, in exactly the same temperature, seven days a week, it's going to taste exactly the same. It's going to look exactly the same. So the more that you preach Christ, the more that you stand on the word of God, the more that you imitate Christ, guaranteed you're going to get the same result that Jesus did. The question is, are we ready for it? Because the Bible also tells us in 2 Timothy 3, verses 12 and 13, that every person, all who desire to live a godly life in Jesus will be persecuted. Whereas evil people and imposters go from bad to worse, deceiving others and being deceived. The book of Acts tells us very clearly that the proclamation of the gospel always produced a response. It stirred something in the audience, the hearers, the listeners of whoever was proclaiming the gospel. That's not to say that we should look to provoke and generate a response, but if you genuinely preach the word of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ, you will get a response. They can reject the message, but they can never reject the messenger because he will rule and reign. He lives in victory. Amen. Even right now, he's seated at the right hand of the Father, making intercession and prayer for us. In him, we have the victory. Praise God. 
Matthew 10, verses 32 and to 34, beg your pardon. Matthew 10, 32 through 34. So everyone who acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. And whoever denies me before men, I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. Wow. Jesus coming not to take sides. Jesus coming to take over. Amen. He's coming to rule and he's coming to reign. We must remind ourselves that our goal is not to cause strife, not to provoke unnecessarily, not to cause trouble, not to seek ungodly responses. The goal is not to be inflammatory. Paul tells us in Romans 12 verse 8, if possible, so he's recognizing straight away, this ain't going to happen all the time, but this should be your default. So far as it depends on you. So Paul is recognizing here that you are only playing part of the role. Because if I invited one of you guys up onto the platform that are also a football fan, and we started arguing about which team of ours is better, your team versus my team, I could decide, you know, I just want peace, I want harmony, I back away, my voice changes, I withdraw a little bit. But I can't stop that person still going off on one and shouting and screaming. But Paul is saying, as much as it depends on you, you do your bit, you do as much as you can. He tells us to, quote, live peacefully with all believers and non-believers. The people who persecute you, the people who are indifferent to your faith, the people that affirm your faith, and the brothers and sisters that you encounter. Praise God. Which means there is never any excuse for us to ever deny Christ. Have you found yourself doing that? Perhaps an opportunity for you to speak up and declare what God has done in your life and you don't take advantage of it because you find it easier just to keep a little bit of quietness because in doing that, you don't create potential tension or strife. We cannot find ourselves in moments where we withdraw. If you think that by withdrawing, we're going to live in victory, forget it. We need to be on the attack. We need to be moving forward. We need to be able to declare his goodness, his favor. And so often, guys, more often than not, your story of what God has done in your life is the first testimony most of your non-Christian friends will hear. And, you know, here's the thing. For them, often we are so, as Christians, we can become professional. We want to explain everything. But actually, things are much better experienced. They need to experience Christ. And the way they're going to experience Christ is the way you communicate what we say, what we do, how we conduct ourselves. Very important. Jesus lost his life for our sake. And we are not greater than our master. We can never deny that as a believer. We cannot lie. We cannot distort. We cannot dilute what God has done. Equally, we can't be prideful. We can't be sitting there at every opportunity saying, I'm a better person than you because I'm a believer. No, 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 no. The goal is to lead people unto righteousness. Daniel makes it clear. Those who are righteous will shine like stars in the sky and lead many unto righteousness for his name's sake. Daniel 12, verse 3. So the goal here is to obey God, not the authorities or the people that might be around us in a certain moment. 
Therefore, we teach the gospel. We proclaim the gospel irrespective of the persecution, even if we find it hard. Something I want to major on for just a moment. So often in our Christian journey, we, if we don't have an answer, we feel inadequate. Ever felt like that? No, just me? Okay. <laughs> the reality is, it's probably true for you. And because of that inadequacy, the next time we have the opportunity to proclaim, we have the memory of the last incident where we decided, we weighed up whether we won or whether we lost, whether we were able to even hold our ground and call it a draw. And depending on what happened last time, that almost dictates and determines our response the following time. And that's not the portion. What did I say very, very early on at the start? All authority on, on heaven and earth has been given to us. We have every answer for every world pro problem in this world. The question is articulating it. The question is that we prepared to proclaim it. Only when we do that will we gain the victory. Paul tells Timothy, share in the suffering. Wow, he's saying, split the load, friends. Hand it out, the suffering's there. Let's carry that together. As a good soldier of Jesus Christ, and Paul tells Timothy right at the end of 2 Timothy 4, verses 5 and 6, As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Wow. So he's saying to us very clearly, Paul is telling Timothy here, enduring suffering is part of you fulfilling your ministry. Have you ever thought of it like that? Or is fulfilling your ministry, having your cell group, giving your tithes, coming to church on Sunday, serving on team. I have some breaking news for you. Enduring suffering forms and shapes a key part of your ministry. And therefore, as we seek to do God's will, if we are prepared to respond to the call of righteousness, are we going to stumble and fall? Or are we going to place ourselves on the solid rock that is Christ this afternoon? and declare the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Love is always stronger than hate, per certainly the love of the Father. It's rich, it's relentless, it's unconditional, and it is perfect in all of its ways. And so in conclusion this afternoon, as we draw our thoughts to a close, God does not hold you responsible for success. Do not aim for ministry success. What? What? No, we're meant to grow our cell groups. We're meant to do evangelism. Yeah, yeah, of course, all of that. Please, aim for faithfulness. Make that your goal. Make that your aim. Make that your target. Jesus declares, well done, you good and faithful servant. I don't read the words, well done, you good and successful servant. Good and faithful. Aim for faithfulness. When you think of persecution, when you think of what Jesus went through, I can think, Jesus aside, the only person that went through anything akin to Jesus would have been Paul. He brings substantial encouragement to the Philippians as they're going through persecution in their committed pursuit of Christ that I want us to close with this afternoon. Philippians 1, 27 through 30, ESV. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ 
so that whether I come and see you or I am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel and not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation and that from God. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake, engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had and now hear that I still have. So he, Paul is making it very clear. This persecution is an ongoing, it is a life event. Get used to it. Paul is reminding us very clearly that suffering is an inherent part of our preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is an opportunity to suffer for the sake of Christ. That is how we need to stand in the days that we find ourselves in. Stand firm in the faith, stand for the cause of Christ. And as I said, Ephesians 6 verse 13 tells us to put on the full armor of God to quote, withstand evil, having done all that you can do, stand. And as you do that, you will testify. And as you do that, ultimately, you will bear fruit for his glory. Amen, amen, and amen. Well, let's give God praise in the house. I hope that's really encouraged you and affirmed you this afternoon. It's so important for us to really fight the good fight of faith. That as we do that, you will build spiritual muscles that will make you stronger, bolder, more courageous at every opportunity. Not that you become prideful. No, because it's Christ working in you. Christ in you, the hope of glory. That's what we stand on.